Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep broadcasting. Go to 3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. G'day and welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national radio show dedicated to workplace and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and we're broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. My name's Elena McMaster. Stick with us today, we're exploring the alienation of labour through performance art. body of work I'm going to be creating a workspace where I will be offering my body and untrained labour for employment in exchange for cash. We all have to sell our labour at rates dictated by global markets. For some people this means a few cents an hour, for others it can be a living wage that provides housing and food security. For those who set their own pay rates because they own the means of production it can be millions of dollars an hour. Casey Jenkins has just finished performing three weeks of a performance art piece called Body of Work at Dark Horse Experiment in Franklin Lane, Melbourne, exploring the relationship between worker and boss and how it's mediated by money and power. Casey joins us now. Casey, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Um, I guess to start with, can you describe what Body of Work uh, was or is? Sure. It was a three-week um, durational art performance, uh, which was highly interactive. Basically, what I was doing was offering my... I was in the gallery workspace, which was set up with different iconic um, work implements. There was a cash register, sewing machine, a bed, an iron ironing board, and um, tools and a workbench, just sort of um, symbolic of different forms of work. Um, and within that space, I was offering my untrained labour for hire by the hour each day to the general public. So anyone could come in and hire me to do pretty much anything they wanted, um, any work they wanted me to perform, I would within that space, as long as they paid me the set rate. And that set rate changed each day to be commensurate with that of another untrained labourer from somewhere around the world. Um, so I want to ask you a bit about uh, pay rates and things like that later on, but can sure. you just start by telling us what made, motivated you to, to want to put together this piece? It really, I think it's hard to pinpoint the, the one sort of catalyst or moment that brought it about because I think it was um, you know, several different strands of thought and just through um, through my lifetime feeling um, whenever I have been employed in paid employment or I've been providing services to other people and you feel your um, life I guess sometimes dribbling away into um, towards causes that that aren't sort of your own and so there's the, sort of a, a build-up of that, of the feeling of um, 
a misdirected life perhaps and then also observations of, of different um, friends and acquaintances at work and um, and how their um, labour is valued at such wild, wildly variant rates and and feeling, I guess, the injustice of that. And then also sort of seeing different friends in different forms of work and some of them feeling great pride and taking and identifying themselves very solidly with their um, what they're paid to do. Um, and then others um, feeling sort of pressure of stigma of the sorts of work that they do to the point where they would um, hide what they do to their friends and family and in public. So all of that. And then also, I guess that kind of being aware as a um, consumer of products and, and being aware that these people have have given their lives over to make them. And I am really um, disconnected from from how what their working conditions were, how much they were paid, but by the you know the, by the amount I pay for the products, I'm aware that it was yeah bugger all. But I'm able to sort of um, suspend empathy or something because they're not um, working and labouring right in front of me. So, um, so I'm curious about uh, what you reckon the usefulness is of doing a performance art piece around this kind of stuff. Um, or communi- well, I guess it's opening up um, this as something that people can think about in a really different kind of way, like experientially mm. or whatever, um, when I guess there are many different ways that people can already know or understand about the exploitative conditions that many workers mm. know, exist or work under. Mm. It's, it's, I think I... Um, wouldn't define this as activism. I think sometimes I do, like in my life and what I do when I'm able to choose what I do, I think I sort of do a balance of um, projects that I really want to try and push and have a, a definite pragmatic response, which I would think of as act activism, and then sort of more self-expression artistic works, which I do sort of for my uh, you know, largely for my own emotional health and being able to express myself. And this is more along those lines. But also I have found that sometimes when you, um, when I'm trying to cause change or a pragmatic response, often the um, things that have the most impact are when I'm not trying to, when, when I am just sort of giving an honest expression of my opinions that can have resonance in ways that I'm not aware of. So, this I, I don't I don't know what impact it will have, other than perhaps hopefully opening up discussion. But um, yeah, I still yeah felt interesting and therefore worthwhile to me to do. Um, so, how were the pay rates that you worked for on each day? How were they decided upon? Um, well, that was a quite a, um, a a bit of an arbitrary thing. I wanted to get as many, um, direct stories from people. So I, um, put out, uh, a call amongst my friends for different workers' stories. And I wanted to not direct that too much, not to, um, so often when I sort of ask for people to, to give an anecdote about their work, um, they 
um, may ha- you know they will give an anecdote about work they were paid for rather than work they're not paid for. So it was sort of shaped really by what information people wanted to share with me. But I didn't use all of the stories given to me. And there were stories that I would have liked to use but I didn't have access to. I spent a lot of time, you know, when most of the people I know tend to look exactly like me. You know, they're sort of white, um, um, inner-city living women mainly, um, who are not really struggling for cash too much just by virtue of being born in Australia. Um, and and so when I tried, I, I put a lot of effort trying to find, you know, um, some voices of people of colour, some voices of men, <laughs> some voices of um, people who had experienced work overseas as well. Yeah. Um, and can you give us just a few examples of, of um, what you came up with and, and some, of what, some of the rates you actually worked for? Yep. There could have been so many. This is a, I almost would love to do the work again. They're just sort of limitless stories you could tell by which worker stories you um, convey and you share. But I had, um, for example, for one day I laboured or offered my labour for the rate that my Mother received um, for her work um, birthing, nursing and caring for me. So for that day I was available for hire for zero dollars an hour. Um, On two days I laboured for the rate of a um, person who goes by the name of Ryder who um, worked in a strip club and on one day I worked for the rate that she received on the busiest day of the year which has worked out to be $100 an hour when you factored in the dead time. And then um, on another day, I laboured for the rate that she received on a dead shift, which was when um, no clients would book her, so she'd have to be within the at the workplace but not um, being booked. And they actually, she actually had to pay a house fee, so she was out of pocket for that shift. So on that day... Um, I paid everyone who employed me ten dollars an hour to work for them. Did you get lots of? Uh, <laughs> that was a full offers, day. Yeah. <laughs> Both of those days were full days because okay. they're you know they're zero dollars an hour, negative ten dollars. But then I also worked for. Um, I was available for hire for up to one point five million dollars an hour, and then and then plenty of rates sort of in between where I was working one day for the rate of a disability support worker, which was $25 an hour, Um, a lab rat, someone who was hired to be injected with with medication and monitored for the effects, um, $15 an hour. And so I... Um, and on those days, it was interesting. Some people felt very uncomfortable employing me for the zero dollars or the one or two dollar rates, and they wanted to um, choose a day when I was going to be paid a bit more. Um, so I, I guess they're probably people who um, weren't concerned with making money off your labour. I guess if they if they didn't if they wanted to employ you for the higher rate, you know, they were more concerned about justice or something. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that it really made people have to be um, sort of hyper-conscious of the process of employing another human being. Like their their role as an employer was under the spotlight. How It's not when you go to a $2 shop and buy 
the bit of plastic. Um, they sort of had to dictate exactly what I was going to be doing and I think that that, or I know, um, that that caused a lot of discomfort. People didn't want to pay me nothing and they also didn't want me to be... Um, to be working hard. They they were very concerned that I was enjoying myself and having a good time and working conditions were were very sweet. So what do you think that says about the relationship between bosses and workers and uh, the power dynamic that exists there when it is kind of laid very bare and people, you know, it's, it's something that people are very aware that lots of people are watching, mm. <laughs> um, but also perhaps many of these people, uh, maybe they've not actually employed people before so it's an unfamiliar mm. relationship to them too but what do you think it says about that dynamic that you experienced yeah this you know your bosses for the most part seem to be quite friendly and concerned about your welfare yeah which is not necessarily something that the majority of workers experience in real life employment situations yeah well I think that that dynamic that when it's in your face I think it is a very difficult thing to ask someone to give a part of their life over for you and to do something that you are not doing yourself. It's um, sort of as an empathetic being when you're directly in contact with someone, it can be very challenging for most people, I think. Um, yeah, and, and that was evident in, and also from my reactions for, for working, you know, I, I was... Um, you know, I wanted to to give and as well. You know, there's something when yeah, when you're face to face with someone, the the empathy is stronger, basically. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I was uh, amused by was um, mm. that you included the pay rates of um, people like the Facebook CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, which mm. I think was the $1.5 million an yeah. hour. And did you also include end up including Gina Reinhardt's I rate, did. Which it was, do you remember how much? 380000 an hour. An hour. Yeah. So, and, These and, are sort of figures. One must yeah. be like this sort of, but yeah, available information. But it, like, yeah, it's a bloody lot. And I, I thought it was interesting that you um, included them alongside workers like textile workers and farm workers because they're, you also regarded them as um, un that is untrained labour. Mm. Yeah, do you want to talk a bit about that? Like the untrained and the sort of a, um, is is a quite an emotive term and you know leading, but um, there's none of the people whose rates that I laboured at none of their work um, they didn't have formally recognised skill qualifications. So not to say that they were unskilled at all, um, but they, their skills weren't formally recognised. So both um, Gina Reinhardt and Mark Zuckerberg didn't complete university. And, um, yeah, so for their work, they don't have formally recognised skills. And the same for, um, so, for example, the, um, the Thuong, who was the um, textile out worker, who's rate I laboured at for one day. She works in Australia for six fifty an hour. Um, and she actually came to Australia as a skilled migrant, but her for her um, current job she is considered unskilled, untrained, which is obviously sort of ludicrous mm. because yeah, to 
sew garments is a highly skilled job, but yeah, again, not formally recognised. It's. I think it's interesting how we um, we tend to value work based on how much you get remunerated for it, and there's mm. a lot of very skilled work that's very poorly remunerated or not like you know not remunerated at all. Like uh, mm. as you you mentioned, your mum bringing yeah. you up. You know, like parenting is a yeah um, something that's quite difficult to do, and I would say is highly yeah. skilled. But it, you know, people don't get paid for it, and childcare yeah. workers, you know, um, yeah. get paid very low wages. And it's fascinating that it's become so entrenched that we don't pay or um, give money which would equal sort of um, freedom and power for those workers to do other things with their lives when they're not labouring at at those jobs. Um, But it's so entrenched that we almost, it's sort of considered a bit uncouth or obscene or something to consider paying someone to to give birth and nurse and raise a child when, yeah, which is, is a sort of a really sad state of affairs, I think. So you're listening to Stick Together on National Community Radio um, and we're speaking with uh, performance artist Casey Jenkins who's just recently finished an exhibition called Body of Work which involved um, working for various employers um, over the course of three weeks um, at different pay rates um, taken from worker stories around the world. You're listening to Stick Together, all about workers' rights and social justice. Every week on the Community Radio Network. So uh, one of the most compelling things for me about your uh, artwork, body of work, um, was the very simple way that I think it reveals this concept of alienation within capitalism which I feel, I mean, I guess people are familiar with the term alienation um, and, you know, the idea of like teenage alienation or whatever. Um, (laughs) But I feel as a kind of a Marxist concept, it's not something that's really discussed very much. It's kind of taken for granted, I guess, the relationship that we as workers have to uh, the things that we produce um, and the disconnection that exists there. Um, Maybe you can start by talking a little about, because um, I know it's something that was you, you were kind of keen to explore very much from the outset, was the, this um, the arbitrariness of the way that we value labour. Um, yeah. And I, I guess I, I felt that you explored that in a few ways, not just by having different um, rates of pay that were matched up with workers from around the world um, or workers doing different kinds of work here in Australia, um, but also... Um, including um, work that people don't generally think of as uh, formal work, like um, child, you know, um, mothering (laughs) um, and that kind of stuff. Do you want to talk about what you you found through the experience of doing this work in um, in terms of that, the valuation of that work and how it felt and the level of, like, actually doing it? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I think that people, there was a great deal of anxiety in putting value on my time and labour and to the point where people, so I was available to do any labour um, within the space. So whatever people could dream up really. And people did dream up a whole variety of things, you know, from having me mind kids to food preparation, sewing, tax 
we'll see compilation, um, yeah, a whole range of things. But it was it was interesting because often, although um, I could do any of these things on any of the days, people often wanted me to do them on the days where it sort of had a connection to the worker um, whose rate I was working at. And I think that there was a sense of really not of just being completely uneasy with valuing what it was they were asking of me. And so if someone else had valued um, a, a textile worker's labour at that rate, then almost the onus seemed to be on them, you know. So, okay, so then I'll get her to do something related with sewing on that day, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is often how we determine wages because we sort of go, oh, someone else got paid this for that, so I will also pay this for that. You know, it's the market value whatever rather than actually kind of um, assessing what it it may mean for that person, what it may take out of their lives. You know, we just go with status quo, what's been done before. Mm. I think it's really interesting in the context of thinking about, um, like just recently or earlier this year and late last year, I was talking with um, some people from the Blind Workers Union, well, from the Secretary of the Blind Workers Union and some people who were doing work around um, the uh, wages for people with, some people with disabilities, there's mm. a supported wage system. Um, and so people getting paid like sometimes as little as, you know, less than a few dollars an hour to mm. do work um, and they're getting paid that because their productive capacity has been assessed as being as much mm. lower than someone mm. who um, doesn't have like a, you know, a learning disorder or mm. um, someone who isn't blind. Or, mm. um, and it, it, I think that's really interesting in terms of thinking about um, the the way that you know paying someone for their productive capacity right. is um, makes sense to a, an employer because they want to make money or see a job done efficiently, but for the right. worker it makes no sense whatsoever. They need the same amount of money to survive. Right. I think that's sort of a very sort of stark example of mm. how we have like this severe failure of empathy, <laughs> or where um, where we are we are looking um, purely at the end result of labour and what it, um, what that can do for us and we are not sort of assessing what it takes from, you know, a human life. And and that's where I think the, um, yeah, the disconnect from those human lives is sort of enabling that to happen because it enables us not to take responsibility or, um, yeah, for for what we're asking. And it, it's interesting that many of your friends wanted you to, um, to pay you to have a nap or relax. Yeah. And yeah. so they're clearly <laughs> wanting you to do or produce things that make you happy and are in line yeah. with your goals and desires rather than do something that's kind yeah. of quite disconnected from your life and yeah. that you might not enjoy. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, it was very... Um, it was very interesting. I think there was sort of definitely people that I um, knew felt like everyone felt uncomfortable, <laughs> but I think that they, yeah, it's it's an odd and confronting relationship to even just uh, to take, or lots of people did try to take the whole money aspect out of it, but um, but yeah, just to ask to 
receive something from someone when you're right in front of them. I don't know. It's um, it's confronting. And do you have any plans to um, take this work further or, you know, kind of do yeah. more exploring in this area? I would really love to. But often when I finish a piece, I'm sort of just ready to move on to the next thing. But this was just so highly interactive. Over the There were 53 different people employed me over the course of the three weeks and they all kept me on my toes. Whether It was even sort of when it was um, people asking me to do really relaxing things um, that were just a sort of fascinating in sort of seeing that, um, you know, the emotional sort of trouble that the whole relationship caused was very interesting to me. But then, yeah, there were also people who asked me to do things that were very pragmatic and they were getting an, a set end result that was of value to them. And there were people who were engaging with it, I think, just to push my limits perhaps, you know, and to play with what, you know, what they could direct another human being to do if they sort of had ultimate power. So it was fascinating. I'd love to do it again. It was, yeah, there were, and to clean up some of the things in the presentation as well. Um, so is there anything else you want to add or do you want to let people know if they want to kind of keep up to kind of keep in touch with what you're up to where they can go and find you on the internet uh well they can facebook seems to be the place where where most things happen first and then my website um i go through spurts of updating it so facebook i think is casey jenkins artist and then um i do have a website casey-jenkins.com all right that's all we've got time for thanks very much for joining us casey my pleasure. Thanks for having me. No worries. So um, Casey Jenkins is a performance artist who's just finished three weeks um, performing an artwork called Body of Work, uh, which explores uh, the exchange of cash for labour and the relationship between workers and bosses. Um, you can find Casey online, just, um, I guess, Google Casey Jenkins or um, you can go to her website, casey-jenkins.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us to tell us about any social justice and industrial struggles happening in your part of the country or just to tell us what you reckon about the show, please email us at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. Give us a call on 03 9419 or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Stick Together is produced on Wurundjeri land at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and we're broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. And we're broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network to land stolen from Aboriginal people all over the country. We are grateful for financial support received from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Remember, if you miss the broadcast, you can listen to us streaming online or download the podcast at 3cr.org.au. My name's Elena McMaster. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. You can find us at 3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Music